Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. If you don't know, let's make some connections. This is my sister, Tammy. How many of you, is there anyone that did not know that? Okay, okay. And, and how about this one? We are Pastor Tim's sisters. Anyone that didn't know that? Oh, there's, uh, Tim's got, uh, he didn't know that. Anyway, he's tricking me, he's tricking me. So what a privilege. Um, Tammy says that she doesn't want to speak, but I think she's going to be speaking here in a little bit. So I'm going to speak, and then she prepared some notes, and then she's going to finish with a song, and then I'm going to come back up and do the closing. So um, first of all, got to say happy 35 to the man in blue in row two. Happy 35. It's our 35th anniversary, so happy. I don't think I have a Tim Morton story, which I know they're always the favorite, and he always ends up the good guy and the end of it, but I am blessed. I might throw one in. We'll see. So Pastor Tim will be back speaking next week, and we don't know if he put us last so that you really miss him or if he saved us for the firework grand finale. I'm not sure, but I mean, I don't think I'm going to match Tim Skiles' humor. I have no ugly baby jokes, Tim. (laughs) Or Dustin's passion, not to mention his physique. Uh, Well, anyway, we were directed to focus on the thought after all these years what has changed, and what has stayed the same. Well, talking about physique and looks and projected image, right? We did that last week. One thing that does change is our looks, and uh, specifically our skin. We work pretty hard on that, trying to stop the skin, but my generation and older, we have an excuse because When we were little, now you tell me if this is true, when we were little, sunscreen was a post-burn application. (laughs) Post-burn. Now, now, what do they have, 70? Isn't there some that 100 plus, have you seen that one? 100, 100 plus, you might as well be under a rock. And then they've gotten some of you, they've tricked you so much into buying an SPF shirt for your kid. How many of you have bought the SPF shirt, 40 bucks for your kid, versus the $4 Hanes? Did any of you ever get a burn through a $4 Hanes? Let's be honest, they got us. Anyway, in my day, if you were tan, you were healthy. Do you remember that? Tan was healthy. Now it's like DSS if your kid's tan. You look like the bad parent with a tan. Well, anyway. When I was older, late teens, I would lay in the sun with cooking oil. (laughs) Any other confessions, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, uh, more than once, no question, my mother would say, you are going to regret it when you get older 
and I, she'd say, do you want your skin to look like mine? And I would say, I won't care then, you're old. I, I, I don't know if I ever said it out loud, but I definitely thought it. And I just want to look good now, is the way I thought. What's then, and unfortunately, young person, you will care. <laughs> you will care, that doesn't go away, the mirror changes, but the caring what's in the mirror won't. Anyway, I don't know if Dustin's gonna remember this, as a teenager, we're getting ready to go somewhere, and I was taking a little long, working on my perceived image, and he was trying to hurry me up. And he looked at me, teenager, remember, and said, what's it matter, Mom? No one's looking at you, you're old. <laughs> what goes around comes around, Dustin, and it will come. Do you remember it? No. He doesn't, he did it. He did it, he did it. Anyway, payback. His kids will do it too, I can guarantee it. Anyway, my brother asked Tammy and I to tag team, and Tammy's heart is for singing and mine for speaking, so hopefully you'll get the best of both, as you've already seen. Let's just um, come to the Lord in prayer so that the words will be heard. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you for the opportunity to share your word with this beautiful, beautiful group of people that you have gathered together in the name of Jesus. People who are struggling and people who are looking for answers and people who just need to know you're near. And we pray today that the words that are spoken will bring life and bring hope in Jesus' name. Would you repeat after me? Open my heart, Lord. Open my ears, Lord. Give me faith to respond to your word today in Jesus' name. Well, we were asked to talk about, after all these years, what has changed and what has not. Well, you know what changes if you haven't learned it yet? You will. As you walk this journey of life, it'll become clearer and clearer to you that everything, everything in an instant can change. The only thing in this journey of life that will not change is God. Matter of fact, to be more specific, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that fact is what can keep us going when everything around us is shifting. Just look at your phone or your Facebook memories. I'm going to say Facebook because I'm old. <laughs> Snapchat, whatever. TikTok. <laughs> Got to be cool. In just a few years, everybody and everything looks different. People who were in your journey walking the path, no longer in your journey. Disappear, go their separate ways. The face in the mirror turns into your parent. And what you learn is that the only thing that doesn't change is him. He reveals himself in new ways, and you know more about him, but he's faithful and he doesn't change. Let's take a look at Hebrews 6.18, what the Bible says about our unchangeable God. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things, his promise and his oath, are unchangeable because 
It's impossible for our God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him as our refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. What doesn't change? God gives us our, his promises and he keeps them. That's what doesn't change. Not only does he give a promise, but he t makes an oath. Do you know an oath takes collateral? It takes something, uh, and when you go in a courtroom, you give an oath, oftentimes they would, at least I don't know if they still do, but you'd give it on the Bible because that's something that you can find security on. Do you know that God said that when he gives an oath, the only thing he can swear by is himself because there's nothing greater and he cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. He cannot. He is truth. The two things that never change according to this scripture is he is faithful and he is true. And that is our refuge. He is our who, our what, our where, and our when. He's who we run to. He's what we hold on to. He's where we find hope when everything around us is shifting sand. Well, it's funny how growing up in the same house, kids can be very different and the same at the same time. And that's my sister and I. We grew up five years apart. I won't tell you who's older. And even to this day, if you know us, you know our personalities are very different. But our core beliefs and our faith are the same. And so we have a lot of great, great memories growing up. Well, you know, Tammy, I told her I was going to tell this story. I don't know if my grandkids know this or even my husband, I'm not sure, or her kids. But she actually saved my life one day. I don't even know if my brother knows this. I'm sure I'll remember when I share it. So I was probably about six years old, and we were at my brother's baseball game uh, over at J.C. Field on Furnace Street. And if you've ever been there, there's a giant caged sewer. How many of you have seen that? A giant caged sewer? Do you guys live in Cumberland? It's been there a long time. Anyway, a giant cage sewer in the back, all right? Well, I guess at the age of six, I was a lot more adventurous than I am now because right now I would be described as zero adventurous. Anyway, so when I was six, I decided to hop into the sewer. So I hop into the sewer as a six-year-old, and I let go, and I say, Look, no hands. Well, before I know it, I'm sliding into this green, slimy sewer, and my sister says, wait, I'll save you, and she hops into the sewer, too, and tries to get me. She slips. We roll. We're rolling down into the green slime, covered in slime. Her, her friend goes running to the bleachers, yelling, help, somebody help, Tracy and Tammy fell in the well. And to be honest, my memory stops then. I don't know what happened. I don't know who saved us. I do know that my sister would go to bat for me, and so I'm glad to be here ministering. We went home, we showered from the green slime, and that is one of my favorite beautiful memories of being saved by my sister. <laughs> and why probably, if you analyze me, I am not adventurous to this day. <sighs> anyway, well, what came to my mind regarding speaking and things that stay the same is the influence of the number 111 on my life. Now, if you have known me probably 
Anytime pretty close or have heard me speak or anything, you may have heard one of my 111 stories. Um, for really 40 plus years, I started seeing that number, 111, often. And my friend and I used to see it, her name was Sherry, and I lost touch with her. We'd see it often on a clock. So when I got a little older and I'd see that, I'd just shoot a prayer up to the heaven for Sherry, touch my friend Sherry. And um, later though, I began to see it in all kinds of unusual ways. And I would see it, especially when I was going through something. When I was going through like a hard time and couldn't find God in it. And maybe it's because I'm weak, maybe it's because I need a sign, I don't know, but I would see 111. Well, about 10 years ago, I started to connect it with the verse Hebrews 11.1. 1. So let's take a look at that. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And when I'd be going through something and see that number, faith is the substance when I can't see it. It's the evidence when I can't see it. So I could write a book about 111, but I do want to just tell you at least one story regarding that. When I was really sick in 2018, and some of you walked that journey with me, I basically had the stomach flu that would not go away for, for, for a couple years. And I went everywhere looking for answers. Well, I was finally admitted uh, to our local hospital, and um, they were gonna try to see what's going on with me. So Tim and I, we went to the desk to check in to the local hospital. I was so happy to get in there. And the woman handed me the check-in folder. And on the front of the folder, it said 7-111. And she handed me the folder and she goes, you're in room 711. She goes, I don't know why they put that extra one. She said, you don't need that one. It's a single room. They only put the one or two if you're trying to figure out what bed it is. I don't know why they put the one. And I said to myself and perhaps to Tim, I know why they put the one. God wants me to know that he's with me in this mess when I don't understand, when I can't believe what I'm going through, and I feel like he's a million miles away. He made the girl put the extra one. <laughs> So, a few years later, Brooke went through the most difficult, I would say it's probably up there with one of her most difficult times in her life. She was in the very early weeks of her pregnancy, and this would be before Raylan, right? After Colson, but before Ray Raylan. And she got this weird blood infection, very strange blood infection. She was hospitalized. She was put in the same room. And that's not a coincidence, but that's not the end of the story. So not only was it difficult for me to walk the halls to her room out of concern for her life and the life within her, I was still struggling with PTSD from what I had been through. So every time I'd walk in that room, I was struggling. So each visit was almost overwhelming. Well, she ended up recovering, but she did lose the baby. and. Um, the interesting part of the story, and this is a true story, the clock in that room, an analog clock, stopped at 111. And it never got fixed until she left that room. It might not be fixed to this day, who knows? 
no offense if you're the janitor at, or the maintenance man at, you know, UPMC. But anyway, um, I'm sorry, that's only a God thing. That's only a God thing. Several days, time stood still at 111 during one of the darkest, darkest times in my life for me and my daughter. And his promises and faith to believe his promises aren't based on a time clock, but instead on his faithfulness. So let's look at Hebrews 11, 1 to 7. We're just going to read uh, the second, the third verse in that, and we're going to look a little bit at what we can have faith in. Now, Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith, if you're not familiar with it. And it's really a cool chapter if you've not read it. But what it does, it, it really takes mostly the Old Testament people, and it talks about how they had faith, and they were rewarded for their faith. Verse 3 says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command and that what is seen was made, was not made out of what is visible. We can have faith in the power of his word. I like the King James version of this. The King James version of verse 3 says this, through faith, we believe that the world's were framed, framed by the word of God so that things that are seen were made of things that do appear. I like the word framed. It's as if the universe is God's canvas and he's the artist, right? Framed means formed, created, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose. I find it interesting that all the other verses in this have a person, and they're talking about faith of a person. But this verse kind of sits by itself. Yeah, I believe it's because it's the foundation of what each person's faith, ours included, must be built on. This is the foundation. Nothing. Nothing exists without his word. Think about that. Nothing exists without his word. Do you know that the Israelites wandered 40 years to learn one thing? Do you know what they wandered to learn? Man does not live by bread, but lives by the word. They wandered and wandered for 40 years until they learned that. That man does not live by bread, but by the word. Genesis says there was nothing. There was nothing. It was formless. It was empty. The spirit hovered. God spoke. And everything changed. Let that sink in. There was nothing. Nothingness. Formless. Void. Empty. The spirit hovered. God spoke. And everything changed. Matthew 24, 35 says... Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. To create, think about this. Did God really have to speak? God of the universe, did he have to speak to create? Couldn't he have just thought it? Couldn't he have just waved his arm? Does he really mean that the power of life 
and death is in our tongue? What about us? Do we have to speak? Do we have to speak his word over emptiness and nothingness in our life? Do we have to speak a word to the mountains in our way? Oh, that's positive confession. You're not Joel Osteen, <laughs> right? Let's read this one out loud together. Romans 10, 9. Doesn't even salvation start that way with confession? Let's read this. Well, is it not working at all? Okay, I'll read it to you. Unless you, unless you have your Bible. We could read all different versions at the same time. It'd be great. <laughs> anyway, I, I think I picked NIV on this. I, I like to pick ones that kind of say the way I like it. Anyway, Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We confess with what? Mouth. The belief is in our heart, but the confession is with our mouth. Have, let me ask you, you're a Christian. Many, most of you probably are a Christian. Have you ever spoke his word out loud? Do you really believe that the power of life and death is in your tongue? Psalm 91 says, He who declares, speaks, of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Some of us might say, well, I don't want to be radical. I don't want to be a weirdo. I don't want to be radical. I don't want to declare. I don't want to speak the word. I don't want to be those weird ladies with the flags, you know? <laughs> but you are declaring. You're declaring every day. You're declaring every day. And let me ask you, are the things you're declaring coming to be? More than likely they are. Things you're declaring over your life, over your career, your health, your marriage, your family. I'll never lose weight. I can never get out of bed and have my devotions in the morning. Just not a positive person. Can't help it, I'm negative. Declare, declare, declare. I will give you a quick Tim Wharton story. I don't have a lot of time, sorry, but I'm gonna throw it in there. Yesterday, we decided we were going to walk, and we decided we were walking the canal. He likes to walk National Highway and hear, hear cars. I hate it. We're complete opposite of each other, so we thought we'd take a quiet walk down on the canal, and it was hot, but anyway. So we were down on the canal. We pull in, and there are 400 bikers. Now, <laughs> you know how I know I'm not making that. You think that's an exaggeration. They had tags on the back, and some of them said 400. There were 400 of them. And I said, we're not really going to walk that way where they're going, are we? Because I think it's going to be miserable, which is what I declared. And he said, no, it's going to be great. And he said, it's going to be great. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So we walk, and 400, one at a time. On your left. On your left. <laughs> beep, beep. On your left. On your left. To the point where we're in a row. He's in front of me and I'm here and we're walking, taking our walk in this row. But guess what? Did you love it? Did you love it? He loved it. I hated it. But see, he declared that he was going to love it. And he did, because that's that man right there. He just declares. It's so nice. Everything's so nice. And I declare... This is going to be miserable. And guess what? It was. But anyway. 
So that's the way we live. But I am not a negative person. I am no longer a glass half full person, half empty. I don't know. Anyway, I'm the opposite of him. We're the opposite. Anyway, I shouldn't say that because we're not. We're not the opposite. I'm positive. But anyway, look up the meaning of your kids' names. Tyler talked about this the other day. Even though I find this amazing, even though they aren't even rooted in our language, we call our kids this all the time. And often we become what we've been calling them without even knowing what it meant. For example, Timothy, Timothy, honoring God. Tracy, warrior, harvester. Brooke, peaceful dweller. Aisley Joy, joyful singer. Amazing. When those little wildcats are down here during worship going crazy, and they are going crazy, way beyond what Mimi thinks they should do. <laughs> it's school. It's like school. It's like school. This is church. Anyway, I'll often lean down in one of their ears, Laz's ear, mostly Laz, <laughs> and I'll say, you're such a good boy. You're such a good listener. You're such a good worshiper, Zorin. Look at you worship. Look at you worship. And then I pinch their arm. But anyway, other than, <laughs> let's be honest. But our children become what we call them. Our children become what we say. You maybe have become what your parents have said to you. And I want you to know this, though that our God can change your name. Our God can change a name. You can become what he calls you. No matter what your family may have called you, your friends, your, your what enemies have called you your whole life, he can change your name. He can take an Abram and make him an Abraham, a father to the father of many. He can take a Jacob, a supplanter, a deceiver, and turn you into an Israel triumphant in God. He can take a Simon, turn you into a rock, Peter. And he can take a Saul that killed Christians and make you a Paul that wins the world for Jesus Christ. And that's what our God can do. I'm not really sure we understand it. I really know that I don't understand it. But even Jesus said... Jesus said, speak, speak to the mountain. If you, not me, if you speak to the mountain, if you speak to the mountain. Let's take a look at the story that we sing about. You know that song, Rattle, with the dry bones? I think it's the song, Rattle. Ezekiel 37, 1 to 5. Ezekiel 37, 1 to 5. He asked me, now this is, a, they're, they're in a valley of skeletons, dry skeletons, not even connected. And he says, son of man, the Lord asks Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, only you know. Then he said, you, you prophesy. You speak to the bones and you say to those bones, you dry bones, you will hear 
the word of the Lord. You will hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, I'll make breath enter you and you will come to life. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing, but hearing comes from the word. Faith doesn't necessarily come without hearing the beautiful word. You have faith, so you believe the word? No. You speak the word. It opens your hearing, and you have faith to believe it. Speak it when you don't yet know. Did Ezekiel really have faith before he spoke? Or did he say, only you know. I don't know. Only you know, Lord, if they can live. But he listened and he spoke it anyway. And then the Lord took over. Jim Cimbala says this, Faith never denies reality, but leaves room for God to grant a new reality. Yes. Prophesy to these bones, what, Lord? I need to speak to dead skeletons in my life? I'll guarantee there are a few things that the devil hates and will try to make you feel stupid, radical. He will attack you. He will attack you if you try to do this. I'm going to tell you, he will make you feel like you're crazy when you speak the word. But even Jesus in the desert, who is the word, responded to the enemy by speaking the word. It is written. It is written. It is written. I would say 99% of us will believe the lie of the enemy and not speak his word over the situations in our life. Or even worse, speak the exact opposite of his word. Why wouldn't the enemy fight us for having faith in God's word, when we know his word will not return void. His word will accomplish its intended purpose. His word is alive. His word is active. His word divides between your soul, your mind, your will, your messed up emotions, and your spirit that can hear his voice. The word reveals the attitudes in your heart that you don't even know are there. The word is a lamp, and the word keeps us from sinning against God. Why wouldn't the enemy fight that? My mother prayed the word. That's how she prayed. She prayed the word. Her prayers were the word. She would say things like, I thank you, Lord, that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I thank you, Lord, that you've commanded your angels to put a hedge around our children and our grandchildren. True. We can have faith in the power of the word. And secondly, we can have faith in the acceptance of our offering. Hebrews 11.4 talks about Abel. Abel was the second, uh, was the per first person, actually, that, that the Bible talks about. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, Abel still speaks. By faith, we learn that we can trust God with our first fruits and with our best. 
If you remember the story being referred to in Genesis, Abel raised flocks, he was a shepherd, and Cain toiled the fields, so he was a gardener. Abel came to God with an offering, the firstborn, and Cain just brought some fruit. God accepted Abel, but not Cain. Dustin's been saying over the past few weeks, God deserves our best. God is worthy of our best. Token is not what he's looking for. Do we really think God needs our offering? God needs our little sheep or our 30 bucks. We're doing it for him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all about our heart. It's about hearing and it's about obeying. It's not about favoritism. Sometimes it feels like it's about favoritism, but it's not. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here to, for time's sake, but um, just for the people up there. But when God came to Cain, he actually said to him, why are you angry? Why are you upset? Why are you upset about the blessing your brother has? Why are you, why are you angry? If you do what's right, you'll be accepted too. You'll be accepted too. You know, sometimes I think it feels like God is showing favoritism. But let me tell you, God is not hiding from you. God is searching, searching for you. He's always been seeking you. After many years, I've watched a lot of spiritual journeys. And sometimes it just feels like you can, it doesn't stick for some people. Have you seen that? Seems like that. Same family, raised the same. What's going on? But I feel like the Lord showed me recently this. It's about the heart. It's all about your heart. If you're honest, and if you really think you can't find God, then I would like to ask you, are you sure you're not the one hiding from him. The Bible says in Jeremiah that we will seek him and we will find him when we seek him with all our heart. All our heart. The Bible also says, if I had hidden, anybody know the next word? Iniquity in my heart, you wouldn't have heard my plea. It didn't say if I had sinned, it said if I hid it from you, as if you don't see anyway, and kept part of me back, you wouldn't hear me. Because you're looking for me, and you're looking for my whole heart. We can have faith to believe in the power of the word. We can have faith that he will accept our offering. And finally, we will have, for me, we will have faith to approach him with our requests. Moving quickly, let's just take a look at Enoch. It's probably one of the smallest stories in the Bible. It's a verse. This guy gets to be in the hall of faith, and all he gets is a verse. And his verse says this. Enoch walked with God. God took him. That's his verse. Enoch walked with God. And God took him. Not, a, not like Elijah who got taken up in a chariot and had all kinds of amazing works. Enoch gets a verse. He was a man who walked with God and he pleased God. And that meant 
he had faith because without faith, you can't please God. The scripture says this. Before he was taken, this is Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God because you've heard this verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe these two things. Two things to please your God. Believe he exists. Believe he wants to reward you. Is that true? Is that really what it says? You please God when you come to him and believe he exists. And you believe that he's there to reward you as you diligently seek him. Interesting some of the things that Jesus was amazed at. Jesus would actually say things like this, or the Bible will say about Jesus. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus would look at his disciples and say, do you still have so little faith? After all I've done, after all we've been through. But then there were these people the centurion, remember him with the servant? And he said, if you don't even come to my house, if you just say the word, you just, that word, if you say the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus was amazed at his faith and his servant was healed. The woman with the issue of blood, she crawled and crawled at 12 years of sickness. And she comes and she says, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him. And he looked at her and he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. And then finally, there was a Canaanite woman. And I still don't understand this one exactly, but Jesus, she wanted her daughter who was demon possessed to be healed. And Jesus looked at her and he said, can't do it. I came for Israel, and I can't give the children's bread to dogs. And she looked at him, not offended, and said, even the dogs eat a crumb that falls from your table, bread of life. Even a dog can get a crumb, and I know that with you, a crumb will free my daughter. A crumb of the word, a crumb from the word, the bread of life will free my daughter. Believing that he exists, coming to him and believing that he will interrupt the universe for your needs actually pleases your father. Ending with this, James 4, 2. Think about this verse. You have not because you ask not. We can believe in the power of the word. We can believe in the acceptance of our offering. We can have faith to approach him with requests. And now Tammy's going to talk about Abraham and the promise. You know, I could get up here and I could say, I'm not a speaker, I'm just a singer and... Um, but my husband, who's back there with my daughter, has always told me, you know, 
uh, don't put yourself down and, you know, have more faith in yourself. You can do anything you put your mind to. So um, through the years, God's helped me when it's come to the speaking part. Um, and I, I have a part I just want to share. Uh, first of all, I don't know if many of you know, um, my husband and I actually, when the church was just a wee little church on Warrior Drive, um, I don't know, I know Ken and Helen used to be here, and I don't know how many else, anybody else used to be at the church then, but um, we were actually the worship leaders then. It's been years and years ago, and um, Mike just took his guitar and started out when my brother, there was only like 15 people, and um, just look at it now. It's just so wonderful how God has moved, and um, we're really proud of uh, Dustin and Brooke and Devin how they've just done such a great thing with the worship. Um, but I just want to share one little story of Tracy's 111. Um, she uh, told me this one time, and I think it's funny. Um, I don't know if I have it right or not. But um, she had, you know, seen 111 a lot all the time, and um, it had been, a, I guess, a while that she hadn't seen at 111, and I think she was at a worship practice or something one night. You might not even remember this. It's always stuck with me. And she had said to the Lord, Lord, you know, I haven't really seen 111 lately. I need to know you're with me. And they were practicing, and uh, they were doing a sound check. And someone took the mic and said, testing, one, one, one. <laughs> Instead of one, two, three, you know. So that, I thought that was neat. Um, but what I'm going to share uh, right now is just about Abraham and Sarah uh, in Hebrews 11. Um, if you read, uh, starting at verse 11 and 12, it says, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father, because he considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashores. And that story has always been so amazing to me, the story of Abraham and Sarah. And I've even found myself through the years when I've been praying about something that was impossible, well, seemingly impossible, because nothing's impossible with God. But I've, I've found myself saying, Lord, if you could give a baby to someone like Abraham and Sarah, as old as they were, then you can meet this need I have, no matter what it is. And because, you know, at the time, Abraham and Sarah, when they had their son Isaac, Abraham was 100 years old, and Sarah was 90. And years before that, God had um, came to Abraham one evening, when Abra Abraham was 75 at the time, and Sarah was 65. And God told Abraham to look up to the stars in the sky. He said, Abraham, you see that multitude of stars in the sky? You're going to be, your descendants are going to be more than all those stars in the sky and all the countless um, sand on the seashore. And at the time, you know, they had no children. At the time, uh, God made that promise to Abraham. Not only were Abraham and Sarah childless, but they were both old and well advanced in years. They had been married for 60 years, and Sarah was actually barren as well. So to be barren in those days, um, you were scorned a lot, a lot of times, and it, it means she could not have children. And um, people would look at you and, you know, think, 
boy, God's, some, it said that they even thought maybe God put a curse on the person. And there was a part in the Bible where even Sarah herself said, God is the one that's kept me from having children. But God did make that promise to them. Now I want to look at um, where God actually made the promise to Abraham and Sarah. And some of you may be familiar with the story where there were three angels that came three messengers from God that came to Abraham and Sarah, came to, came to them. And um, one of them, it actually says it was the Lord. And he, it's in Genesis 18, 9 through 15. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And I forgot, I got, when I got into this, I forgot that my title, my part, is after all these years, nothing is impossible with God, and also that if God makes you a promise, he'll keep it. <clears throat> so we do know that God did, did keep his promise to Abraham and Sarah, and he did give them their own son. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And as we were talking about what names mean, that name means he will laugh. And that's reflecting the laughter and disbelief of Abraham and Sarah when they didn't believe God. So the first thing I just want to say is nothing is impossible with God. If God can take a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman who was infertile and barren and cause them to have a child, he can do anything. And you may say, well, back then they lived longer. You know, that's probably why she had the baby so late. But I looked that up and it said that even back in those days, um, they only, women only bore children until they were like 45. So she was still 45 years past childbearing age and she also was barren. So I just want to look at a couple scriptures about nothing being impossible for God. The first one is in Mark 9.23 and it's when um, the man brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus and he said because the boy was throwing himself, he was um, foaming at the mouth. Sometimes it said he even would uh, be cast into the fire. The demon would do that to him. And the man came to Jesus and he said, Lord, if you can, please make my son whole. Please deliver him from this demonic force. And Jesus said, if you can... Everything is possible for him who believes. And then in Luke 18, 27, it says, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Luke 1, 37 says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. And I like this one, Jeremiah uh, 32, 17. It says, All sovereign Lord, 
You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So I just want to say today that no matter what you're facing, whether it's a bad doctor's report, whether it's a disease, a sickness, whether it's your marriage and you just feel like there's no way, uh, whether it's a financial problem and you just think this is a mess, that God is able and that nothing is impossible for God. We have the privilege of serving a God who can literally do anything and there's nothing that's impossible for him. Make it a habit to insert your specific need into this question. Tomorrow, think about this. Is this day in my life too hard for the Lord? Is this habit I'm trying to break too hard for the Lord? Is this situation that I'm facing too hard for God? Asking these questions in this way reminds you that God is personally involved and nudges you to ask for his power to help. And you may say, Tammy, I've been doing that. I've been praying. Uh, I haven't seen God do anything. If God can do anything, why isn't he doing something in my situation? Well, those are the times we just need to trust and keep believing. Because I think it's up there. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's another one. It says, remember this, God is operating at a higher level than what we know and can see. Our vision is often limited. His vision is not limited. He sees the whole game plan mapped out from beginning to end, and all we see is the next play. And sometimes we don't even see the next play. It's kind of like a GPS. Um, unless you push for the list to show you the whole trip, then uh, you only see the next step. Take a right up when you get so far, you don't see what's after that. That's how it is with God. Sometimes we don't see the next step. Uh, here's another one. We have to trust that there is a God in heaven and he is working for our good. We got to realize that he's a loving God. No matter what your conception of God is, he is a loving heavenly father and he's working on your behalf for your good. And another one, he's doing the impossible even when it feels and seems like he's doing nothing at all. Just like the song, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. You never stop, never stop working. So we know that he's working even behind the scenes. And then the only, the last thing I want to share that's really impacted my life from that story is that if God has made you a promise in your life, or you feel God has really showed you he was going to do something specific in your life, he will keep that promise and do that thing no matter how long it may take. Now, it took Abraham, it took the promise to Abraham and Sarah 25 years. And I'm hoping that, you know, whatever you're believing for isn't that long. I know that my Aunt Jessie, our Aunt Jessie, she believed for her husband's salvation for 36 years. He was an alcoholic and... Um, she really had a hard life, but she kept believing and praying, and one day he came to the Lord. So don't leave here thinking, oh no, it's going to take forever for whatever I'm praying about, because a lot of times it doesn't take that long. But here's one thing I wanted to say. 
Wait on the Lord and don't try to make it happen on your own. No matter how long it takes, wait on the Lord. Like the story with Abraham and Sarah, whenever they first, whenever God first made the promise to Abraham, Sarah tried to take it in her own hands and, of course, gave her maidservant to Abraham. And we know how that story ended. It wasn't, wasn't a very good situation. But while I was, this is what's really neat. While I was writing this down the other morning, I had just written, wait on the Lord. Don't try to make it happen on your own, no matter how long it takes. And I just got done writing that, and I hear this beep on my phone like a text. Well, I have a friend, and some of you have a friend, this, this same friend. She sends me scriptures every morning. She's done it for years. And I know she sends others in here scriptures. Her name's Sherry McMillan. So if you're watching, Sherry, I just want to let you know how much I love and appreciate you. So many times her, message, her scriptures have been just right on. Well, I had wrote that down. Wait on the Lord. Don't try to make it happen on your own. I hear beep, and I look at my scripture, and it's Habakkuk 2.3. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So I know that, you know, God wanted me to write that point, and somebody in here might need to hear that. No matter how long it's going to take, God's, God hears your prayer. And then Psalm 27.14 says, Wait on the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait on the Lord. And the Amplified Version says, wait on the Lord, be strong and take courage and wait on the Lord. Sometimes it takes courage to wait on the Lord. God's timing isn't just good, it's perfect. And then you can never go wrong waiting on God. Maybe you feel like that God has promised you a really good job or maybe you need a mate and you know that God has assured you that he will bring the right person your way. Maybe you're living in a place that's not the greatest and you feel God's promised you something better. There's nothing wrong with that. Whether it's a job, a mate, a big financial decision, a car, a house, whatever it is, whether you're waiting on a healing, a relationship to change, God can do it. And here's the really important one. Learn to listen to God and not the voice of people. Everyone may be telling you to do it this way or that way, one way or another, but God may have a whole different plan. And how do you listen to God? By spending time with him and just spending time in his presence. And a lot of times, you know, we'll get into the presence of God and we'll just start giving our needs. Or even we could be just praising the Lord, but we don't stay quiet to listen to what he has to say to our hearts. So just listen for the Lord. And don't allow yourself to be anxious while waiting. The work that God does in us when we are waiting is usually more important than the actual thing we are waiting on. And the last one, it's not about the promise. It's about the one who made the promise. And I'll tell you about that in a second. But if you're waiting on the Lord, on a promise he's given you, or just something that you know he's going to do in your life... He'll encourage you along the way, no matter how long it's taken. I just want to share a short little story. I'm not going to tell what my promise was, but I'm going to probably cry. Um, Years ago, I was sitting on the couch. My kids were little. I was home by myself. I was praying and reading the Bible and some scriptures in Isaiah 
popped out at me like I've never had. I've never had happen before that, and I've never had happen since, that I just knew it was the Lord. And it was a promise he was making to me individually. And I started to cry. I'm like, God, I've never felt so sure before that this was from you. And um, my husband got home from work. I was all excited, showed it to him. And I mean, that was years ago. I mean, it was probably 2000. Here it is, 2023. But um, along the way, God's encouraged me. Um, My husband and I were leading worship at a church several years ago um, in the area. And a gentleman, a minister came to preach at that church. And he had the gift of prophecy, like praying over people and giving words of wisdom or whatever. And I know a lot of times, sometimes that's not real. Sometimes it is. But we were leading worship, uh, and there were lines of people. Um, This man was praying for everybody. And I was just real discouraged that night. And I'm, I'm like, Lord... That promise that you gave me years ago, I don't think it was you. I think I made it up. I think I just imagined it. And I said, you know, how could that happen? And it's just so, you know, I said, I know it was just me making it up. So we got done leading worship, and we were packing up our stuff. And somebody said, hey, Mike and Tammy, you didn't get prayed for. So we went up, and I had my head down, and the gentleman Um, he said, hey, look here, and looked up at him, and he said, God would not have made you that promise if he didn't mean it. So he told me something, some step of faith that God wanted me to do. And I I thought, man, I was encouraged, you know, went home. But somehow I forgot to do that step of faith, or I just didn't do it. And a couple years later, um, years again, I'm praying, and I felt like the Lord said, you never did do what that gentleman told you to do. And I'm like, you're right. So I took that step of faith, and I did that, and I'm still waiting. Um, Actually, a couple days later after that, I was just going, I was thinking, Lord, you know, how's that going to happen? And I was going to the refrigerator, and I just was putting something in the refrigerator. I felt like the Lord said... That's where he said, it's not about the promise, it's about the one who made the promise. So no matter what you're waiting on, God will come through. And um, I'm just going to end up with a song here. Um, This song is an old song, but it it really ministered to me. Um, My daughter did it years ago. Um, That's where I first heard it. But it talks about your life and how from the time your child... You know, whatever your need is, when you wrecked your bike as a child, you call out to him, he's there. He says, I am. When you're a teenager going through the things you go through as a teenager, and you call out for him, he says, I am. He's there. When you're, you know, have kids little and you're up at night, 2 a.m. with your children, he's there. And at the end of your life, he'll be there. It's hard to have two speakers. I, I'm, you know, and try to get it in. We're, we're, we're remember, we're related to Pastor Tim. But anyway, uh, so a uh, real quick story before Tammy sings. This is Jaslyn, and a few weeks ago, Tim and I were doing children's church, and their verse was Hebrews 11.1. 1. 
So during my children's church, I decided to share a couple 111 stories and a couple pretty cool ones uh, that were pretty Im important and different and kids would find pretty neat. And right in the middle of it, Jazzy's in the front row and she smiled at me and she said, Mimi, am I next? And I said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? She goes, it was you and then it was Brooke. Am I next with the 111 stories? And I said, yeah, you're next, Jazzy. You're next. Do you know that Enoch was the great grandfather of, anybody know? Noah. Enoch walked with God and generations later, his great grandson was still walking with God, building an ark, protecting his family and his family. And so I just wanted to bring Jazzy up and say, Jazzy, Jazlyn Grace, which means I think flowing water full of grace. Jazlyn Grace, you are next. You have ears to hear what the Spirit says, and God is going to speak to you and use you greatly. Aunt Tammy's going to sing, and then our worship team can go ahead and add. I hate to not say, look, look. If, if you're looking for God, he's here today. I'm here to pray for you, pray with you, remind you, speak the promises, like Tammy said. Speak those words. His word is powerful. His word will not return void in your situations, and he, he wants you to know him. Just find a, uh, as she sings, if you'd like to find a place here at the altar in prayer and just lay things down. You know the voice that would tell you not to come? Have you recognized yet that that's not the right voice to listen to? And if he says those words, don't come, you don't need to come, you don't need to go, you don't need to walk, you don't need to step, that's a lie. He must not want you to. He must not want you to obey because you're moving into his kingdom. So anyway, let's pray and then Tammy can sing. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to hear your voice today, to hear your voice. You are the God of our promises. You are the God of the unseen. You are the evidence when we don't see the answers and we just pray that you will build our faith today in who you are in Jesus' name, amen.